Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, folks? It's your boy, Long Beach Joe, and I am back at it, back at it, back at it. Again! I'm back at it again, man. (laughs) It's time. It is time. Salute to all the savages in the chat. Salute to Brian Seal. Good to see you in here. Listen, we've got a lot to discuss, man. We're going to be talking tonight about Jets' mini camp. You know, Makai Beckton showed up. You know what I'm saying? He's working with the trainers. So that's a good thing, right? We're going to be having discussions about that. We're also going to be talking about the New York Jets' wide receiver position as well. Uh, a lot of people want to talk about that too. There's a lot of battles to be had, man. We're going to be, we're going to be seeing what these guys have, you know, to bring to the table. Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis who you're looking like could have a, ba- a bounce-back season for us. So I'm excited about it. So let's go ahead and get into it. Listen, I'm the man of the people. I'm here for the people. Let me shamelessly promote my Facebook page. Everyone go on Facebook, search The Long Beach Joe Show. Like that page. My content's up there. Go ahead and give it a listen. Message me. I'll message right back. I love going back and forth with folks about this football team. Also, leave me some feedback. I love hearing about what you folks think I do here on The Long Beach Joe Show. Listen, your boy's on iTunes, man. I'm on iTunes as well, okay? Go on iTunes, type in The Long Beach Joe Show, okay? The Long Beach Joe Show. Go on over there, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and also leave me some feedback, all right? Leave me some feedback, man. I want to hear what you folks think about what I'm doing here. Also, leave me a five-star rating as well, okay? I appreciate that stuff. I really, really do. So go ahead and leave that on over there. Also, your boy is on YouTube as well, okay? Come on over to YouTube, man. YouTube, all right? Go on over to YouTube, Long Beach Joe Jets. Long Beach Joe Jets on YouTube. A lot of content going on over there. Not just content. You know, we have a lot of fun. We also do live shows over there and there as well. Let me tell you something. If you don't know, I'm looking good over here, baby. I'm handsome. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. This is what I'm being told in these streets. Hey, Joe, you, you know, you got a face made for TV. And I say, all right, cool. You know what I'm saying? Cool. I'm with it. So, you know, we also do the live shows as well on uh, YouTube, you know, so come on by again, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. So, you know, when I post content, you folks will be in the know. We game on that channel as well. We have a lot of fun. So come on over, Long Beach Joe Jets on YouTube. We have a blast. Also on social media as well, as most of y'all know, not just Facebook. We also have a Twitter page as well, at the Long Beach Joe, at the Long Beach Joe. That's the show's page. Go ahead and follow, you know, follow you right back. Let's go back and forth. If you want to, you know, hit my personal page as well. It's YoungJ000. You know, go ahead over there. Hit me up, man. Let's go back and forth. Let's talk about this team. I got people that want to hit me up talking about life as well. Hey, you want to hit me up and discuss your life? Hey, let's go back and forth, you know. I give great advice. That's what I'm being told too, you know what I'm saying? So I'm with that as well, and I love these Jets. So listen, folks, it's time to get into it, man. It is time to get into it. So much going on with the New York Jets right now. So much to touch on. Again, man, mandatory mini camps here today. Got people reporting. Everybody's showing up. Again, Makai Beckton's in the building. But before we get to that, let me tell you something. We have a treat. We have a true treat tonight, kids. Let me tell you why. This, this, one of the reasons why I do this show, one of the biggest reasons why I do this show, is to connect with other Jets fans. Connect with other Jets fans, regardless of where you're at around the world, right? That's what I'm all about. You know, reaching out, listening, going back and forth with my Jets brothers and sisters and hearing their takes on this football team. 
And let me tell you something. We have a special guest coming on tonight from the New York Jets San Diego fan club. Mr. Michael Larson is going to come on tonight. Michael Larson is coming on tonight, and he's going to discuss with us what it's like being a Jets fan out there in San Diego and what it's like to have that fan club going. So salute to you, Michael. I want to welcome you to the Long Beach Joe Show, my friend. How are you feeling tonight? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you? Great intro. I'm all I'm all right. <laughs> Thank you. I'm all right. I'm all right, Mike. Listen, man, it's time to talk. Give me your thoughts about, you know, what it's like being a New York Jets fan. And tell me how you became a New York Jets fan out there. You know what I'm saying? What exactly drew you to the green? Well, so my I'm actually from the Northern California area, and my grandfather was a big baseball guy, and he actually knew Joe DiMaggio. Supposedly, I used to crawl around on his floor as a baby. I don't remember any of this. But DiMaggio introduced my grandfather to Joe Namath. The rest is history. So I grew up on Jets-Yankees stories forever, and that's just where mm-hmm. I became. Okay, that, that's as a wonderful story. As far as being a Jets fan in San Diego, oh, that's really interesting because the Chargers left, and we used to love to stick it to the Chargers during the playoffs, so that was always fun to rib them a little bit. Uh, but we have a lot of fun out here. We've got a lot of members. We've got great places to hang out. We we really enjoy each other. We do things off season. So we're more of a family than just guys who get together for three hours on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you something. Like you said, you know, beating the Chargers in the playoffs is huge. I was at Qualcomm Stadium, okay, the year that we made our run uh, to that AFC championship when Rex, uh, you know, went in there and beat them. Uh, it was it uh, Sean Green ran in a touchdown that we had Cromartie. It, it, well, this is before we got Cromartie, but uh, you know Sean Green was able to get in there and get that touchdown. Darrell Revis played very well in that game, got an interception. We played very well that year, and I remember just sitting back and being like, "Whoa, I'm surrounded by all these Chargers fans. We just won this football game. The train ride, okay, the train ride back was rough. They were so upset, but I was having a blast." You know what I'm saying? I'm here in my Jets jersey. Everybody's all upset with their San Diego Chargers jersey on. I don't know why you guys are so mad. The Jets took a W today. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, remember, um, that, game was, that game was interesting because I want to say almost mm-hmm. half of that stadium was in green. And that was always the yeah. problem here with the Chargers. Even years that they were unbelievably great, the out-of-towners buy up the tickets. And, and being in the mm-hmm. rain game back in 04 when uh, – Kading this that field goal in the mud. I was at that game. That was fantastic. Those Charger fans thought that game was over. They were ribbing us, and next thing you know, he misses the kick. Pennington makes a big play, and the field goal game over. We went to Pittsburgh. Yeah, it, it was it's okay. And you, you, exactly what you just said. I was then, um I was actually sitting next to a you know Chargers you know lifer. This guy just loved the team left and right. And one of the things that he was saying was like, man, I've never seen the stadium so, so full. You know? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, you guys got a bunch of Chargers fans here too. He's like, no, some of these people aren't really like diehard Chargers fans, but they're here nonetheless. He was like, but I'm telling you, there was, so, like you said, there were so many Jets fans in there. It felt good. It really felt good. When the Jets chant was going on, you know, it, the stadium was rocking though. I'll tell you what, Qualcomm, it, it was a good time. And I was glad to, you know, have the New York Jets, you know, get a W in there as well while I was there. So I was hyped. I had a great, great time there. But getting back to what you were talking about, you know, being a Jets fan in San Diego, what it's like there, and you said, hey, you know, we, we also just don't hang out, you know, 
we're like a family and stuff, but where exactly do you folks meet to sit down and watch the games together? So we actually have two places now, uh, downtown San Diego mm. in the gas plant. <clears throat> we have a place called Taste and Thirst that we've been there for a few years, and their food is just un- unbelievable. They usually get rated in the top three or four restaurants in downtown San Diego in every category. So all you Jets fans wow. out there, even the ones who come to San Diego, come check us out, Taste and Thirst, downtown San Diego, 4th Avenue. And then one of our members owns a bar called Main Tap Tavern, and that's about 20 miles east for people that are in East County on Main Street in El Cajon. So we have games there as well. Again, we're speaking with Michael Larson of the San Diego Jets Fan Club, bringing a lot of great things down there in San Diego. They have a blast going on. Now, we talked a little bit, Michael, about the local area. I know there's, there's you know, probably still some Chargers fans down there, clearly because of San Diego. But do you ever get bothered by other fans that may be down there? Because there may be some Raiders fans down there, because i got Raiders fans around me. Are there Raiders fans down there, maybe Niners fans down there, that kind of make it tough to be a Jets fan? Well, there's fans of everything because San Diego is so culturally diverse and and team diverse. Most of the NFC teams don't really bother us because we don't hardly ever play them. Um, I will say there's a bar around the corner, I'm not going to give the name, that's a Patriots bar, and they do like to walk by and kind of stare at us and laugh at us back when they had Brady and they were winning all those games. So it's going to be really nice to be able to turn that corner on them and, and do the same to them. Uh, most fans are actually really cool. We, we love to have out-of-town fans come in that are for the other team. We have a good time. We've only ever had one who got out of control in all the years I've been with these guys. So most, most fans are just there to have, appreciate and have a good time. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, man. Like you said as well, I you know, I I know a couple of Patriots fans and they they still, you know, yibbity yap and talk that talk, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of Raiders fans around me. There's a lot of Niners fans around me. I'm actually kind of forced to watch them on T V as well. And they try to poke fun and make it tough. You know, those are teams that have seen a little bit of success. But we're on our way up, Michael. We're on our way up, and there's a lot of changes that have been made with the New York Jets. And I know we talked a bit about your fan club, but I want to talk to you a little bit about this football team, man, and some of the things that we've been able to do, you know, this offseason, some of the changes that we've made that have really had a lot of people looking at the New York Jets and saying, hey, this is a team that's going to ascend this upcoming season. Now, my first question for you when we talk about this New York Jets football team is, Give me your thoughts about Robert Sulla and Joe Douglas and just the change that you've seen with this football team behind them. So that's a great, that's a great question. <clears throat> this is the first time in a long time that a lot of Jets fans, I think, are on board with what's going on. We have had so many GMs come in here who want to do a full teardown rebuild, which is what we've needed forever. They get into year one, year two, they panic, the fans go nuts, and then they go buy all these win-now players on a win-later team. Rinse, recycle, repeat doesn't work. Now we actually have a GM and a head coach that are on the same page, and you can see that they want the same. We have a GM who drafted and signed some players for positions we needed, and it matches up with what Coach Salah and what we're going to be doing. So it actually feels really good this upcoming season. We have some momentum. And I cannot see us finishing four and thirteen or five and twelve. I just, I just, I just don't see it. Yeah, yeah. I think the, I'm telling you, like you said as well, Michael. Things are changing, man. Things have changed here, and just the culture change that you hear about, I think, is huge as well. A lot of the free agents we were able to attract this, this, you know, past off season or this off season, 
it, the, a lot of the things that they were talking about was how they wanted to come here because they see that the Jets have changed things around and things are moving in the right direction, and they want to be part of that. A lot of the players that we had come in this season, or this offseason, have talked about Sulla being a big reason. DJ Reed talked about it. Jordan uh, Whitehead talked about it. Even, you know, CJ Uzama as well talked about, hey, this is a guy that they're excited about going forward. This is a coach that they want to play for. And so when you hear about that going around the league from free agents, that's huge because, you know, just a couple of years ago, we were a place that was not a destination at all, that people were not attracted to at all because the New York Jets were a circus. It's a laughingstock. It's a team that, you know, the, the, I don't want to deal with that coach. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with that. And we were a place that free agents would look at us and just kind of either utilize us for leverage with their, you know, current football teams to try to get a better deal, or they would just not look at us as a destination at all. So that leads me to my next question for you is, what was your favorite free agent signing of this year, of this offseason? What is the guy that you looked at and you were like, you were excited for the New York Jets to grab? So I focus in on, on two for two different reasons. The first one being Lincoln Tomlinson. He was with mm. a lot in San Francisco. So he knows the system. He knows the schemes. It's going to be entertaining to see if he moves to left and AVT moves to right or if Lincoln's going to play out of position and play the right. Um, I, it's a much much better than what we had last year, the upgrade. So I'm very excited to see that because when you have Wilson running around, yes, he likes to run around make plays, but when he's running for his life and he's got nobody over the middle, no check downs, we saw the results last year, and they weren't very good. Which brings me to my next one, Uzma. That is the guy who played with Joe Burrow, and he knows what it takes to win, and he knows what's, what it's like to win close games. And we don't know how to win close games. And we don't have somebody like Joe Burrow right now. Maybe Wilson becomes Joe Burrow. That would be unbelievable. But it's that security blanket underneath that we haven't had since basically Dustin Keller in 2010. Yep, Look at the list yep. of tight ends we have had the last 11 years. It's la- it, it is laughable. We hardly ever – when we had Tony Sperano running the offense, I think we were – dead last and passes the tight end by a mile. So when you take a rookie quarterback and you basically tell him you have no chance to throw between 5 and 15 yards in the middle of the field, well, now your DBs are sitting back playing the outside routes. Where's he going to go with the football? Yeah. It's really that simple. Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah, you're speaking – those are two great – I mean, Lakeland Thomason, I think for me, has is, is the, the biggest free agent get. And like you said as well, it's just – being able to protect Zach Wilson, but not just that, also allowing our running game to really get going because that was something that struggled tremendously last season, and that really threw off the balance. Like you said as well, you know, with some of the weapons we've added, it, it changes the way the defense has to cover us. And I think with Lakeland Thomason now on the field and our running game, you know, really taking a step forward from what we know and what they said earlier, Lakeland's going to be on the left side, uh, AVT's going to move to right, so that you know, really solidifies a lot of the issues that we had along the offensive line. So with that improved, what you'll see is a running game that improves as well. Now we have more of a balanced offense. Now defenses can't just pin their ears back and send the house to Zach Wilson because, <laughs> let me tell you something, the New York Jets are going to be able to run the ball. Last season it was really simple to defend us. You just came out, you stacked eight in the box, and then that was it. You know, there was there was nothing else. We're going to send everything at Zach, and if he if he decides to throw the ball, okay, fine. Then we're going to just destroy him, or we're going to get an interception, or you know, we'll let the chips fall where they may. It's going to be an incomplete pass. But now that the New York Jets can run the ball with this improved line, 
you've got to watch out because there's so many other things that open up. Play action opens up. A lot of things open up. And especially, like you said, with CJ being on this, on this football team now, you have to cover our tight ends. You have to regard them as something. They're weapons. Because if you don't, guess what? You're going to get cooked. Because him and Conklin yep, are now on the field. Guys can throw the football. That is so, so key. Because you want to play eight men on the box on us now, we can dink and dunk over the top. If you're going to drop a safety down and play single high, well, now we've got the speed on the outside with our new receivers along with what we had before. So pick your poison. It's, mm-hmm. it's all, it's exactly. all, if, if it gels the way we're, us Jets fans are hoping it gels, we may see an offense that's close to what we had in 98 and 02 and 04 and 06. And that would just be phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Now, a lot of the things that, as well that, that's going to help us continue to propel forward is some of the guys we were able to grab within the draft. And I thought the New York Jets really made a lot of great moves. What was your you know, thoughts on the, on the New York Jets draft, and who, do you, who was your best uh, you know, draft pick? Who do you think you, you're looking forward to seeing on the field the most? Well, the biggest need was cornerback and grabbing sauce. That was, that was big. I think a lot of us Jets fans – pretty much knew that that was who he would pick if he was there. And from the reports I've read and, and whatnot, he's already playing at a very high level. And I understand it's practice and it's preseason type mm-hmm. stuff. But the fact that we're hearing that already, that gives us, you know, some good hope. I really yeah. love the fact that we were able to grab Jermaine, trade up for Jermaine. He was not supposed to be there. I, I, yep. We could not believe that we stole – I mean, that's basically a steal right there. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him get out there. I love the Rucker pick because the kid grew up a Jets fan. You see how excited his dad was when he got drafted? That You tell me that kid's not going to give us everything he's got all the time? I, I definitely like that. We got some, some other guys to, to help out. I, I could talk all day and break them all down, but those are the ones that I, I like the best. I'll tell you what, that Jermaine Johnson pick, us moving back up for him, like you said as well, I was shocked that we got him, especially when we – Passed on him the first time. I was like, what's going on? Where's the pass rush going to come from? We were live during that draft, and I was like, man, where's the pass rush going to come from? Why do we pass up on this guy again? And we were able to grab him, and it was like, wow, that really pushed our draft up the board as well with Garrett Wilson being taken in the first, which is going to help you know, our wide receiver yep. score as well, excel. And like you said, Sauce Garner being brought in, that's huge too because you know, here's another you know, piece for the secondary in a – Again, I'm a big Bryce Hall guy. I think a lot of people are counting him out and just saying he's said and done, it's over. I don't think it's over there. I think that Bryce Hall is definitely going to put his bid in for that, you know, number one corner spot. But Sauce coming in, man, is going to be huge for us because we needed that help. You know, we need that, that bump up in the secondary. And with the pass rush stepping up as well, with Jermaine Johnson in the building and then Carl Lawson coming back as well this offseason, that's going to be huge for us because I think the biggest issue, and I know you can speak to this as well, Michael, the biggest issue that I thought we saw last year defensively was our inability to effectively rush the passer. And in this league, exactly. this is a passer league, which is all about scoring points. They give, I mean, the rules are so slotted so heavily for the offense to be able to score points now in a league where you cannot rush the passer effectively, you're going to get cooked. Give me your thoughts on that, Michael. Yeah, you, you hit the nail right on the head. When, as soon as Carl Lawson went down in the preseason, it was going to be by committee. And we know from NFL history past, if you're trying to rush the passer by committee, you better hope you got a Michael Strahan in the weeds. Because if you don't, mm-hmm. good luck. And that's exactly what happened yeah. to us. We, we, had no, we had no chance. 
You know, another guy that, that was really interesting that we took was Michael Clemens. I know he had some background mm. stuff, and, and that's kind of uh, uh, Joe Douglas' thing of not taking guys with questionable backgrounds and character. But, you know, you make a mistake, life goes on. And nobody loves a turnaround story more than New Yorkers. And I'm really mm-hmm. interested to see how this guy plays because he, he could have been a third or fourth round pick, and we got him almost towards the end of the draft. You telling me that kid's not yep. going to be hungry and want to prove doubters wrong? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're speaking the truth there as well. And you add him to that line with Jermaine Johnson, Carl Lawson, Quentin Williams, who we think uh, – I know a lot of people when we talk about pass rush, but, you know, they, he kind of gets lost in the soft because, of course, he's not a pass rusher. But I think he'll benefit from that pass rush as well, Michael, because you can no longer just double-team Quentin Williams and think, okay, everything's all right. No, if you, you double-team him, you're going to have issues along the outside. And I think a lot of people are going to say, okay, well – you know, we'll, we'll worry about Jermaine. We'll worry about Carl Lawson. You single up with Quentin Williams now, and he has nothing but time to eat. I expect him to take a big-time step forward this year, especially with these one-on-one matchups that he's going to be able to win and destroy. I think we'll see a different type of player come out this year in Quentin Williams. I think he's going to have a dominant year for us defensively and really show people, you know, why he was picked where he was in the draft, why he was picked so high in the first round for us. You know what I'm saying, Michael? I do, and, you know, a lot of fans, people who don't watch the games for the games, they, they get caught up in stats and whatnot, they'll look at Quentin mm-hmm. Williams as a guy, oh, he doesn't sack, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. You know, I will gladly have him get double teamed all season long, maybe get two sacks, and everybody else gets 50. It's, it's the exact same as if he got 10 and everybody else got 10. So, mm-hmm. you know, he eats up that O-line like he does. It's going to just free up everybody else. Look at Tony Saragusa. Yeah. When he did that, look at look what Ray Lewis is doing. Are you kidding? Yep. <laughs> Same idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking facts right there. And as well, I think we'll see an improved uh, defense against the run, too, because we got ran on a lot last year. I mean, you watch this get scrubbed yeah. a lot of places. But, again, with guys coming back from injury, the addition of, of Jermaine Johnson, I think we'll see a big step forward in that as well. Now, going for the defense, I want to talk to you a little bit about this offense, Okay. I'm going to talk to you about this offense, Michael. Zach Wilson, you watched him last year, right? A lot of people took a lot of things that he did last year. They said, you know, hey, there's certain improvements that he needs to make. Give me your thought on his impression on you last season, and what are your expectations for him in this upcoming season? Do you think he takes a big step forward as a quarterback and becomes maybe a top 15 quarterback? Do you think that that's possible? So I, I'm the type that likes to temper expectations. I, I don't actually like to use that word because as soon as you <clears throat> put expectations on someone and they don't follow through week one, all of a sudden they're trash, and, and that's, just, that's just not good. What, I'm, what I want to see is progress in the right direction. He had some games last year he showed why we drafted him, and then he had plays and games where you're thinking, why did we draft him? But if you flip the field and see what he was looking at, you understand why he made some plays that were very, very questionable. Um, So that being said, going into year two, the big year two jump, I definitely am hoping to see that for sure. He's going to have more time. He's got more weapons. The only concern I have with Wilson is with all these new guys that we have and all the guys who are going to want the ball, we have more playmakers than we've had in a long time. Are Hmm. some of them going to get to be a me first guy? How come you're not throwing me the ball? And then he starts forcing balls to individuals when he shouldn't be. That is my only concern because he's young. Some of these guys 
you know, if they're pretty vocal, he may feel like I, I've got to get three passes to TJ. I've got to get 14 passes to, to more. And we don't want to see that. If everybody's on the same page and they're all enjoying moving the chains and scoring points and he can spread the ball around to whoever he wants all the time, he's going to make a massive jump. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've heard, I heard some people come out and say things like that, uh, you know, have the exact same uh, statements that you have. But I think for me, when I look at the system, I think the system is kind of built on spreading the ball around. If you look at what Mike White was able to do, right. Our offense was kind of struggling to Wilson got hurt. We saw Mike White come in against the Bengals and you look at how he was able to really spread the ball around and get, different guys involved and that's what really got our offense take a step forward you know our first scoring drive he was hitting a bunch of different people michael carter coming out of the backfield as well was a huge part of our offense in that football game you know him hitting you know back to different guys going on and going forward so you know i think that spreading the ball around is what this offense is kind of built on and and again when we talk about zach wilson there's been a lot of talk about him stepping forward as a leader as well uh, being more vocal. So I think that he'll be able to kind of curtail guys as well from, you know, going crazy. And we got a bunch of guys that I think are team guys too, you know, that of course they want the ball because every pro player wants the ball, but I don't think of they'll course. be so, you know, so uh, strong-headed about wanting the ball that they'll become a disruption within the team. And even if that does kind of become more of an issue, I expect Sulla, especially Michael LaFleur, to step up and really, you know, be able to kind of curtail that too and say, hey, guys, you know, this needs to stop. This needs to kind of knock it down. Because I can't see, like, a guy like Elijah Moore or Corey Davis coming out and being like, I want the ball every single play, every single week, and, you know, kind of <laughs> laying it out there with the media and stuff not like that. Not a Terrell so Owens. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Not a Terrell Owens, you know, is going to come out and, and do that. But my my thing that I'm worried about uh, for him going into the second season, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Michael, was when you looked at last season, he was a guy that really fell in love with the football, you know, pushing the football downfield. I'm talking throwing bombs, and that that was very deadly at times. Some interceptions came that way. We also saw him force football to people that way. Are you concerned that he'll be a guy that's so in love because he has such a great arm? We saw him do that constantly in BYU, right? Are you, are you thinking he's a guy that's so in love with pushing the football down the field that he won't get away from that this upcoming season? Because there's a lot of people that also talk about him you know, being a gunslinger, a guy like that's a Brett Favre. Are you worried about that continuing to be a trait coming into this upcoming season? Well, I got two thought, two schools of thought on that. Uh, going back to the Mike White thing, if you watch the games that Mike White started and you actually look at the plays they ran, was completely different than what Wilson was running. And then when they brought Wilson back to Wilson's style, and that running around throwing 50-yard bombs didn't work. Mike White was lighting it up over the middle, getting those easy completions, and then it opened up the whole field. Why they didn't give Wilson that when he came back, I didn't understand. So that being said, if you give Wilson the same type of playing and he spreads the ball around like Mike White did, he's going to take off. Yes, he's going to want to throw the ball 50 yards and and look like a stud now and then, and he's going to get those opportunities. There will be times he gets flushed out and makes those big plays. But I I have a a feeling if he throws two, three interceptions like that early in the season, which – might actually be the best thing for him, he'll realize mm-hmm. this is not BYU. This is not the Pac Ten. Yeah. I need to play a little <laughs> I need to play a little closer to the vest here and, and make these plays. Because the stats are stats. You throw a five yarder and the guy runs fifty yards versus a fifty yard pass, it's the same thing. Yeah. 
You know, I, I hear what you're saying there, Mike, but I, I look at it like this. I think that there was some uh, things uh, that we saw offensively that Zach Wilson could have taken advantage of. I don't think the plays were completely different or the scheme was completely different because if you look at some of the issues that Zach Wilson had, it was throwing the ball short and intermediate, right? There was a lot of footballs, the guys coming out of the flats, and they were wide open. We watched so many games where the ball was in the dirt. There were screens I remember that he was missing last season. Yeah, he um, did. I remember he missed coaches. a lot of easy yeah, the, passes. Absolutely. Exactly. I'm talking, yeah, dirt over guys' heads. I remember he threw he threw a ton of balls to running back. Ty Johnson, uh, Michael Carter, guys trying to come out and catch the football, and they would be open, and he would throw it over their heads. He would throw it in the dirt. I remember Sella, and I think LaFleur even came out and talked about how it's all about doing the simple things, making the boring plays. That's what they kept saying. Look, we know he can chuck the football down the field. We get that. But he needs to start making the boring plays. And that's what I'm hoping that he does this year. Because the boring plays, we also saw Mike White make the boring plays. And that set up the down the field stuff. Because there was times when Mike White would take shots down the field. There was. But he did a lot of there the boring was. stuff and- to, to lull the defense into a kind of slumber to open up those plays. Give me your thoughts on that, Mike. Yeah, you know, it's. I hate saying this guy's name, but he's great. Tom Brady. When's the last time we saw Tom yep. Brady throw the ball 40 yards downfield 20 times a game? It, it doesn't exist. He'll take, he'll take it yep. when he can, dink and dunk, Joe Montana style, and, and God knows it's worked forever. Uh, the mm-hmm. thing with, with Wilson that really scared me but also gave me some hope was he was in the top three or four of passes that actually bounced off his receiver's hands. Sometimes they yeah. weren't catchable. They were fingertips. He's, he's got to learn to take a little bit off the ball on the high ones and put a little more zip on the low ones so guys aren't trying to catch the ball at their knees or catching it eight feet above the ground. He does that because the guys were open and he was hitting them. He just wasn't hitting them like they, how they could make plays. You don't want guys reaching behind them to, when they're wide open because even if they catch it, they're going to go down right away and turn a 40-yard gain down to six. Yeah. So a little, yeah. little more I mean, accuracy from back. Wilson would be fantastic. Yeah, you're speaking facts. Now, you talked a little bit about these pass catchers. I, you know, I love going back and forth with you, Mike, because you bring the heat, man. Give me your thoughts about Corey Davis. Are you expecting him to have a big bounce-back season this upcoming year? I think he'll have a big bounce-back season if everybody else is making plays and Wilson doesn't force him the ball. Mm. Because he was our only real true threat last year, off and on. We didn't have a lot of chances for him and Moore and Braxton and Carter to all be on the field at the same time. You get all of these guys on the field, what are you going to double Davis? We're going to throw the ball everywhere else. Then you go single high on Davis, and he's going to be open. Wilson's going to make the plays. So even if Davis isn't catching all the passes, if he's taking what part of the field away and opens up for everybody else, he's doing his job. And that doesn't yeah. show up on that. And, you know, guys don't see that because they don't, Cameras don't follow the guy who doesn't have the ball. But if he's doing his job and moving players, it's just as good as him catching the passes. So I look for him to have yeah. a big back. Yeah, absolutely. Just him being out there, again, changes how the defense is going to cover. And especially, like you said as well, we have so many different playmakers. You add Elijah Moore. We add in Garrett Wilson, who's a guy I think can have a big impact 
in his rookie year. This is a guy that really can put on. And we also talk about Braxton Berrios as well, man. He's a guy that we saw make play after play, even when he was damn near the only wide receiver that we had on the field at certain points, because he was a guy that was one of the guys that really stayed relatively healthy uh, this past season. And another guy that people talk about as well, if Denzel Mims can come along, that would be huge for our offense. Here's a guy that is unbelievably athletic, but for whatever reason, has been lost in the sauce within our offense. You know, whether, you know, again, the coaching staff come out and talking about how he struggled to learn the offense and all these things that we got going on. If he can figure things out, that adds yet another weapon to this New York Jets offense that makes it even more deadly. You know what I'm saying, Michael? I do. And everybody in my group knows I liked Denzel Mims the first year and I couldn't stand him last year. I, I just, it drove yeah. me nuts that he actually had more penalties and catches. But I went back and watched a lot of the game film, and there was one play where he broke to the end, broke towards the end zone and cut cut out, and he was wide open, and Wilson put that ball right on him, and he dropped it. And yeah. all of a sudden, you start seeing games, he's not getting open, and he's not making plays, and I started to wonder if he let that one single play infiltrate his mind so much, and then he's pressing to make plays because he's hearing all the chatter, and we all know that doesn't work. He comes in and plays free-flowing like he did his rookie year, and we may end up having so many receivers, I hate to say it, but we might be trading somebody. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, I if mean, he uh, plays well, we have six starting receivers. We're not, we can't play with six starting receivers. What do we do? That's a great problem to have. Yeah, it is a great – I wouldn't necessarily look to trade people because, again, we saw last season where depth, you know, was kind of an issue going on because – we got so many guys hurt. Remember, Jamison was hurt. Corey Davis got hurt last season. Elijah Moore got hurt last season. Anytime you have that type of depth, you keep those guys, especially if they're cheap. Denzel Mims still cheap. You know, Elijah Moore is still cheap. All these guys still cheap. I think you, you keep those guys, you know, on the roster if you can because, hey, you can throw a guy out there if somebody goes down. Again, you know, knock on wood, I hope Corey Davis doesn't go down this year. But let's say he does and he misses three, four, maybe five games. Well, then if Denzel Mims is performing extremely well, you put him out there. You know, now you still got guys that can keep you afloat. No need to, you know, move on or trade a guy, especially if he's not, you know, blowing your bank out or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Keep a guy on the roster and keep a guy on the field and, and let them throw out. Other teams do that. We saw the Chiefs. We've seen the Chiefs uh, struggle at times with guys going down, guys getting hurt, and they were able to put other guys out there that were able to perform extremely well and keep that offense afloat. So depth, I think, is a huge thing and a great thing, Michael. So I hear what you're saying, but – you know, I think we should keep those guys. Now, my final question for you, Michael, before I let you go, you've really be, been, you know, bringing the heat for us, talking a lot of great stuff about the New York Jets. What are your thoughts about Makai Becton, man? There's a lot of people that are going back and forth with him. How do you feel about Makai Becton at this point? And do you think that the criticism that he receives from the media and the fan base is warranted? So I'm going to start with the man is a large man, and for Anybody who doesn't understand body mechanics, when a man that size gets injured, it's not a three- or four-week injury. I know they came out and said, well, was it six to eight weeks or whatever they claimed? And then at the end of the year, yeah. they came out and admitted, well, it really wasn't six to eight. And I think fans got on him unfairly. I, I really, really do. That being said, he comes in. I, I heard you say he, he showed up for camp today when we weren't sure if he was going to. If he's the Makai yeah. Beckton that we had before, oh, my word. Uh, he's going to he's gonna prove the doubters wrong, and it's going to be amazing. And he's been posting up like crazy, people cutting him down, knocking him, 
talking about. I think he even changed his handle to Big Bust, if I remember that correctly. Yep. Using using yep. that as fuel, and he just had a his wife just gave birth, so you know he's got that that excitement going on in his life. I think you're just going to see a totally different animal. I, I I really think we're going to see that, and I think people are going to forget this entire thing about him in two or three years when he's dominating. Mm. So in your mind, is he a guy that ends up moving to the right tackle position? Do you think he will outright win the left tackle position? You know what? That's that's really tough to answer because Fant played so amazingly well there, he and did. he was listed as one of the top tackles by the end of the season. Me, mm-hmm. personally, Fant is the left tackle. Makai has to steal it from him. And if okay. Makai plays okay. on the right side, great. But I can't go back and hand a guy who didn't play. Granted, he was injured. But how can I tell a guy who dominated, oh, sorry, we're going to give your spot to somebody else? You don't do that. Yeah. No, and I hear you there, Michael. So the, the, now you, you, you left an interesting door open, okay? And I, I want to hear your thoughts on this before I let you go. Now you're saying, Fant, you're right. He did. He played great at left tackle last season. Played very well. All right. If Makai Beckton does not win the left tackle position and is moved to right tackle, okay, we know that the media is going to go off. We know that the fans are going to go off, okay? If he ends up not winning that left tackle position and is moved to right tackle, do you then consider him a bust? No. Not right away. Can you tell me why? You can't do that because you haven't because you haven't seen him play. Now, we move him to right tackle and he struggles at first and gets better and better and better as the season goes on. How can you call him a bust? But if we put him at the right side well, and he just maybe decides he's not going to play because he doesn't like that, he got moved and he's mm-hmm. not playing well at all, now the bust concern definitely comes into play. Absolutely. Okay. Now, my my question is this. This is, this is my statement for it is that I understand what you're saying. But if you move him to right tackle, he was drafted. I'm just playing devil's advocate. He was drafted to be – our starting left tackle, that's what he was drafted to be, to be the cog, the big piece of our offense going forward. And we'll get to, you know, to, to everything going on there, but we're, he was brought in to be the big piece of our offense. If he's not our starting left tackle, and he was drafted high in the first round for a reason, right, he's not our starting left tackle, and he's moved to right tackle, doesn't that still leave us with a hole at left tackle? Isn't that what he was drafted here to be, Michael? Well, that also depends on what we do with Fant. Because now, now that goes both ways. Because did Fant have the outrageous year? Was it, was it a one-off? He was always good, but last year he was elite. What, what happens mm-hmm. there? Yeah, we drafted him to be the, the next Tony Vaselli. Maybe, maybe he still becomes that. And you know what? Maybe if you lose the right tackle and becomes a cornerstone at right tackle, a la like Damian Woody, hey, I'll take that all day too. Maybe we drafted for the left and we found our right tackle for 10 seasons. What's wrong with that? Okay. Okay. Yes, and I, I hear you there, Michael. I just want to get your thoughts on it because there's a lot of people going back and forth. But I'll tell you what, if he, you know, he's up being a right tackle, there's a lot of people that are going to say he's a bust. But I can hear your point there that if he does, say he gets moved to right tackle and he still plays extremely well and becomes a franchise right tackle because there are guys that end up being franchise right tackles, right, which is – not there's no problem right having a great right tackle is a good thing in this league so 
I can see that, that, that point of view there, Michael. So, listen, Mike, it's been amazing to talk to you today. You know, I really love what you folks do there at the, you know, the, the San Diego Jets fan club. Can you please give all of my listeners, every single one of them, just ways that they can contact you folks and where you folks meet up again and let them know how to, you know, get in touch with y'all. Yeah, so our Facebook page is San Diego Jets fans, plural. And we also have our IG page up and running, San Diego Jets fans. Uh, my co-leader is the master of social media. He got the IG going again. He, he's so great at that. We're always posting stuff on there. We get followed by a lot of other Jets crews. So definitely can find us there. If you're in the downtown area, we're in downtown San Diego. It's called Taste and Thirst. It's on 4th in the gas lamp. And then for those of you who are a little bit further east, we meet up at Main Tap Tavern on Main Street in El Cajon. So we've got two great locations. Listen, Michael, it was phenomenal speaking to you tonight, my friend. You have yourself a good night, man. I will. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always great to be talking to you and speak the real truth. Absolute big facts. You have a good one. Listen, Michael coming on, he gave us some heat, bro. I ain't going to lie to you. Listen, if you are in the Southern California area and you want to sit down with a bunch of super cool people and talk Jets, go down to that San Diego Jets fan club, man. I'm telling you, they talk that talk. As you heard Michael, he knows his Jets through and through. We talk all the time. I love having discussions with him about this football team. So now we're going to get to these lines again, 515-602-9639, 515-602-9639 is the number. Call in. Angelo, hold on one second. We'll get to you. Listen, there's a lot to discuss, man, a lot to discuss. Minicamp is going on tonight, or minicamp has gone on today. It's going to continue through the 16th. Listen, so far we've heard that Zach Wilson looks good. He looks decisive. He looks like he's comfortable within the offense. That is huge, all right? That's huge. LaFleur also came out LaFleur also came out and said that he looks like he has a great focus, a renewed focus this upcoming season. That's big as well. I know we talk a lot about the physical aspect of football constantly, right? When we talk about players, we talk about, you know, them going out there, be able to run, be able to throw on, so on and so forth. But a lot of football, right, a lot of athletics is mental, being mentally prepared for the game. And that's one thing that Mike LaFleur said as well when he talked about his focus. He said it looks like Zach Wilson is mentally prepared for football right now. He's, he's figuring things out quicker. He's understanding that his time needs to be allotted to certain things. His focus is different this upcoming season, and that's big. Because if you look at a lot of the great quarterbacks in this league or in the, that's been in the league in the past, right, they were mentally prepared for many things, all right? They understood what it took to go out there and dissect the defense. They prepared themselves immensely for what they would see out there on the field. I'm not comparing Zach Wilson to Peyton Manning. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you look at a guy that was extremely prepared for games week in and week out, Peyton Manning was the guy. Peyton Manning could go out there. You could throw something at him. It didn't matter. He'd figure it out. He just knew what was going on. You throw something at Aaron Rodgers, he'll figure it out, you know. He knows what's going on. Tom Brady, you even look at some of these younger quarterbacks that have really put things together in this league, right? Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, we've seen them figure things out because they're preparing week in and week out. They understand the focus that it takes. They're within their offenses. They feel comfortable. That is huge. So I like hearing 
that Zach Wilson looks more comfortable, is more prepared, is ready to go. He's got laser focus. I love it. Also, we talked about as well, Makai Becton, he showed up. Mandatory minicamp, he's out there. He was stretching. He's on the field. Uh, you know, he's working with the trainers. So that's huge as well. We'll see as he continues going. But there's a lot of people talking about it. it looks like the knee injury has not affected him. He's out there and he's doing his things. I know there's a lot of people that want to say negative things about him. But I tell you what, he's out there, he's doing his thing, and we'll continue to see, you know, where he's going to be. So I'm excited about Makai Becton going forward. And I want to hear from y'all because I know there's a lot of people that want to say something about Makai. So 515-602-9639, 515-602-9639 is the number. Call in. We're also going to be talking about the New York Jets wide receiver position. So first caller we're going to tonight, Angelo is on the line. Salute to you, Angelo. I want to thank you for calling in tonight. Listen, Angela, we got mandatory mini camps going on, man. All right? Again, I want to thank you for calling in. Give me your thoughts about all the positive comments that we're hearing about Zach Wilson, how he looks sharp and he looks decisive out there. How are you feeling about that? I feel great, man. Not only that, he looks big, and he got big, Mm. and that's what he needed to do. He needed to put that weight on, and, you know, people – uh, forget he's like six one, six two. He's not. He looks like a small kid, but if you just put some weight on him, he's got the height and he's got the legs. So um, now it's finally good to see him maturing and uh, getting out of the whole team maturing. The head coaching staff, the offensive coordinator. We need we need everybody maturing. A lot of young guys, a lot of young uh, coaches on the staff. And uh, a lot of positivity. And, you know, it's really sad to see that a lot of – you see a lot of beat writers out there that are, you know, reporting the Jets for me picking, you know, number one next year or at least top five. And I think there was another report saying Robert Sala was the worst coach in the NFL. I mean, we're just not getting any love. And you know what? I like that because that's fuel for the fire. That puts a chip on our shoulders. And uh, that's what that's what they're going into these minicamp. These guys know that. They read the reports. So uh, they're fired up, man. And everybody looks good. And we're off to a good start. Yeah, yeah. Listen, man, I, you know, those people that are talking crazy, they've been talking crazy. <laughs> okay? That's nothing new. Let people em. always have to say something crazy, saying that, you know, Robert Sull is the worst coach in the NFL and so on and so forth. I just drown that stuff out at this point, Angelo. I don't even pay attention to some of these people writing some of this stuff because they talk crazy, and it is what it is. But when you look at this team, like you said as well, Zach Wilson showing up, not only is he, you know, mentally prepared, but, again, he's physically prepared different. Like you said, he's huge, man. He's jacked. He's definitely hit the weight room. He's changing his body up, getting prepared for this upcoming season. But I think one of the bigger things that we saw as well is guys returning our wide receiver position, so many guys out there. And I'm looking at a guy like Corey Davis, man. Give me your thoughts about Corey Davis. Do you think he comes back and has a bounce-back season this upcoming season? Absolutely. And, you know, it starts with Zach Wilson. You know, this is only year two for Zach. Let's remember that, guys. This, we got a long way to go with Zach Wilson. So uh, more comfortable with the quarterback. I mean, it's all about chemistry connection, the things that we don't see as a fan, you know, what's going on in the locker room. Uh, you know, I'm sure they all got their phone numbers and they're texting each other. They're building that relationship. Zach knows, okay, I like, Corey likes to cut left on this, you know, this and that. They can just read each other. They can just look at the cornerback. Look how he's standing. Okay, he's going to look at Corey. You, they know exactly what they're going to do. You know, Corey's the veteran on that wide receiver group, and uh, they'd better be on the same page. No matter how fast or how big Corey is, the same thing with Zach. If they're not on the same page, if they're not clicking, then it's not going to work. But right now, what we're seeing in year two 
is it, it is on the up. We, it looks like it is going to be working. And like I said, Corey Davis is the veteran. He, he deserves to get the ball uh, over all the other guys. I mean, he deserves to be the primary target because of what he's done in this league. Well, last year wasn't really good for Corey, but – and I think what's going to help, you know, everybody needs a number two, right? You know, Michael Jordan needed Scottie Pippen. Um, LeBron James needed uh, – well, I don't know who LeBron James needed. He probably didn't need much. But Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, yeah. We needed, but the, um, we needed him. Don't start talking to these Lakers. But, it's tough. It's tough out here. But, you know, but, but, but Corey Davis needs the other guys to step up. He needs the Braxton Berrios. He needs those other guys on the wide receiver, Garrett Wilson now, and the guy we got last year from Ole Miss. And uh, that's what's going to help Corey Davis because they can't double Corey Davis because they're going to have to cover Braxton Berrios. So, mm. uh, like I said, I, I, you know, I don't understand what – like you said, I don't care what people are writing – they don't see what we see. You know, last year we knew it was a rebuild. I think going in it, I like Robert Sala, and uh, it all depends on how he coaches. You know, so to be honest with you, it's a year two and a, and a good improved team. Uh, hopefully we break even or even uh, come up a couple games over 500, and I see that. And I hope we get a tough schedule, but people are going to be looking at us like, oh, man, this is this is a just that we used to, you know, we're used to seeing back in the, the early 2000s, and uh, hopefully that's what it is. Yeah, and now you you talked a little bit about Corey Davis and what he's done in this league and things like that, but we know that this league is a year-to-year league. It's also about what you've done for me lately. I know he's the number one wide receiver right now. I'm excited for him, but there's a lot of people talking about, you know, other wide receivers in the in the in uh, on the New York Jets roster possibly challenging him and maybe beating him out for the number one spot. Is there anyone on this roster wide receiver-wise that you could see challenging Corey Davis and maybe taking that number one wide receiver spot from him? Well, you know, I don't know. I kind of see a lot of us, a lot of our wide receivers as role players. I don't see, I mean, yeah, I guess you see Corey Davis as the number one, right? And you don't look at the mm-hmm. other guys. I mean, Garrett Wilson could be a number one, but he's more of a, just kind of like a role guy. What's the guy from Ole Miss that we got last year? Yeah, the, the slot receiver. It's, uh, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. Okay. He's, he looks like a, a dynamic weapon, but uh, you know, when you look at a number one receiver, I don't know. I just feel like you look at a Randy Moss. You know, you, I guess you look at the big, tall guy. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I hope I hope it doesn't matter who is number one. Bottom line, it doesn't matter. You know, I want Corey Davis to say, you know what, throw Elijah Moore the ball. You know, get, let him get a touch and let him get excited. Doesn't doesn't worry about the numbers. Let's worry about the Ws. So, um, mm-hmm. and you know, if they are going to challenge for the number one, because obviously that's the way the scheme is, you got to have a number one receiver. That's going to be more competition. We got a lot of competition out there. And I'm telling you, I've been hearing Garrett Wilson is the real deal. And you don't draft yes, the wide receiver number ten overall, to, you know. And and hopefully he can be the guys like we've seen in the past couple of years. These receivers going in the top ten that are immediate impacts in the NFL. And that's why we took yeah. Garrett Wilson so early. And I, if anybody's going to have a shot, I think it's going to be him. I see Elijah Moore being a nice role player, Braxton Barrios being a nice role player, and I see uh, Corey Davis and uh, Garrett Wilson fighting for that number one spot then. We'll, we'll call it that. Yeah. Yeah, he's a guy that – that was one of the guys that I was going to highlight as well. Um, I rebuttal back to you. Garrett Wilson is a guy, I'm telling you that, man, you watched him. I, I saw some stuff from OTAs about him. Man, he was making some freaky catches. Like, this guy – can definitely move. He gets out his brakes really well. He can. He's 
I'm telling you, a lot of people don't think he's as fast as he is, but he'll sneak right up on you and run right past you. He's got good hands. He's a lanky guy. He can get up and get after it. I just see Garrett Wilson having a big-time impact this upcoming season and really putting a lot of defenses on notice because he's going to be a tough cover. You know what I'm saying? Again, he's still a young guy, but we've seen young wide receivers like you spoke about as well uh, Angelo, come out, you know, get drafted, go to a spot, and really be able to put on immediately. I mean, what are your thoughts about that, Angelo? Do you think he's a guy that can come out and really set the league on fire? Well, here's what I want to see. I want to see Zach Wilson have the relationship with Garrett Wilson that he has with Braxton Barrios right now. You saw that the last part mm-hmm. of last year, it was, it was Wilson and Barrios. And Barrios was 5'9", 170 pounds. I mean, this guy was just catching the ball over the place. You know why? Because they had chemistry. It doesn't matter how big and fast you are. I mean, you got to get open. you got to run the routes. But if the quarterback can have chemistry with the receiver, and, and you're going to see that this year with, with Barris and Wilson again. I, I, I truly believe that Barris is going is to play well. He's going to get on the field. You cannot afford to have uh, Barrios not on the field. So it all depends on that connection, man. I, hopefully they're connecting very well, and, and you can see it in practice, and let's start seeing it in the preseason. But you got to trust your receiver. you got to trust your quarterback. So it all depends on yeah. how it works, man. These players get drafted. It's all, it's all luck. It's all luck to see who's going to play well with the other team. You saw Tom Brady, man. Tom Brady had nobody. He had nobody with all the super. I mean, then they started getting players, but they just, they just trusted each other. They practiced hard, and that, that's, that's an acclimate to Bill Belichick. The scheme yeah. was fit. No matter who was on the field, they're going to win because of the scheme. You know, Tom Brady didn't have the biggest, strongest arm. He was just accurate as hell. But um, it, it, it depends on our coaching staff to develop these players into who they can be. And right now, the, the relationship I see is Wilson and Berrios. I want to see that relationship yeah. with the other receivers now. And that's what, that's what yeah. we're going to have to do this year to, to win. Yeah. And, I, and you're talking about relationships with other players. And I think a lot of people are looking at a guy to step up, you know, within our wide receiver core. If you ask a lot of, you know, New York Jets fans, hey, who is the guy you want to see emerge and really step into the light this year? It's Denzel Mims. A lot of people are still worried, wondering about exactly what we're going to get from him because we saw nothing from him last season. So my question for you, Angelo, is uh, is this Denzel Mims' year? Is this year we see him step into this offense with this new regime that we've brought in and really be able to put some things together and have some success out there on the field. You know, it's funny with all the receivers we got now, I almost forgot about Denzel, man. Huh, it's funny. <laughs> I, I, hope, I, I hope we don't forget about him this year. <laughs> That's another guy, you know, I've called your show plenty of times and talking about the, the Chase Claypool trade and this and that, you know, but um, really, uh, hopefully Denzel Mims knows now, okay, they went out and drafted a receiver at 10. Obviously, they don't have faith in me. Obviously, they wouldn't have done that if they believed in me because Denzel Mims was the missing piece. If Denzel Mims was, was what we thought he was going to be, we wouldn't have drafted Garrett Wilson. And, um, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it's going to be a problem that we would like to have. We like to see Corey Davis stepping up, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Braxton Garrett, because someone's going to get left out, right? You can't. Yep. Or we're going to be rotating in receivers and keeping them fresh. But I feel like this year we have those guys. And if Denzel Mims can, can a little fire under his butt and know that, hey, I'm about, you know, if I have a breakout year, I will get paid. I will be set up the rest of my life. 
So this is a year that he needs to motivate himself, and he better he better get on a Zach Wilson's. Uh, he better be buying him something because you know what Zach Wilson and him need to develop that chemistry. We haven't seen that, and that that's a prime example we've been talking about. They have no chemistry. I I, I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, we all blame Denzel Mims, but maybe it was part Zach Wilson's fault. Who knows? We don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but it looked like Denzel Mims was lost out there, but. Obviously, um, they're saying he's looking better, he's looking good, and Zach Wilson's got a high praise for him, and that's, that's what we want to see from Zach Wilson. Pick up your players. Um, you know, you yeah. need to make the best out of him. So hopefully that motivates Zach, too, and say, hey, man, let me work with Denzel Mims a little bit more after practice today. Let me go throw him some balls, because it, me and him haven't clicked yet. I feel like I have a good relationship with Elijah Moore, with Corey Davis, with Braxton Bears, but you know what? Me and Denzel Mims never really got rolling. So, you know, hey, Denzel, let's stay 30 minutes after practice today and throw some balls. Let's work on some routes. Yeah. You know, let's just communicate. You see the cornerback playing back? You know, let me give you a little hand signal and just step back. I'll throw you a screen. And, and that's what you need. You need that where you can just make eye contact with somebody and know exactly what they're going to do. And, and Denzel yeah. Mims is still young. I mean, he's got a long road ahead too, but hopefully th- this is the year where he knows He's going to get paid, or he is, he's going to be out of the league. So he better be yeah. working his butt off as hard as he can right now. And you know what? I got nothing but love for him because he's still a Jet, and we want him to succeed. And hopefully we have that problem where we have too many receivers that are playing very well. And, you know, obviously the injury bug is going to take him sooner or later, so it's better to have depth than not depth. And we'll keep these players healthy. And uh, we don't want to exactly. see anybody going down in the pre- – we don't want to see anybody going down in the preseason or in these practices. Let's be smart. Let's keep these guys healthy because I feel like the past couple of years it's been injuries. We've been having, you know, our best players are getting hurt. We have no depth, and we've been getting yep. killed the past couple of years for that. So let's keep these guys healthy, and uh, let, let's let's give everybody a fair shot. Yeah, and, and you spoke to a great point, and I talked about this a little bit earlier in the show was a lot of people are looking at this wide receiver core and they're going, man, there's so many guys. And if Denzel Mims steps up, that adds another weapon. We could end up moving on from some of these guys. There was talks about, you know, I remember somebody was writing about Corey Davis. You know, the clock is ticking on him. He could be a guy that ends up getting traded. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What is the problem with having depth? What exactly is, is, is wrong with it? Hey, let's continue going forward. If we got depth, that's wonderful because if you look at all the injuries that we suffered last year offensively, mainly our wide receiver core, guess what? It, having that depth, being able to bring another guy in that's going to be able to perform and keep this offense afloat would be huge. That'd be huge for Zach Wilson going down the stretch as well. You look at our wide receiver, there was a mismatch of guys. Corey Davis was gone for quite a while last year. Uh, Elijah Moore was gone for quite a while last year. One of the only guys that was consistently, you know, making plays at the wide receiver position for us pretty much throughout the year because he was healthy was Braxton Berrios. Look at how much he was valued. If you have a guy like Denzel Mims step up and you got all these guys functioning and everything goes well, let's say, you know, knock on wood again, I hope it doesn't happen. Let's say Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis end up getting injured next year. Okay, if Denzel Mims is a guy that's playing extremely well, we've seen him be at that number one or number two wide receiver spot. Let's put him out there. Let's have him go ahead and do his thing. That's going to keep our offense afloat. So depth is huge, man. I really like uh, that this wide receiver core is being built the way it has been. And, again, if Denzel Mims can step up this year, I think it will be huge for us. Now, my next question for you, Angelo, we talk about all these wide receivers that we have and the playmaking ability that we have as well with the versatility of our wide receiver core. Do you think that the New York Jets will have a wide receiver with over 1,000 yards this upcoming season? And if you do, 
who do you think it'll be? Well, I think the best shot is if I'm a gambling man, if I'm taking a gamble here, I'm, I'm taking Garrett Wilson, you know, it's mm. just because uh, wow. he's all, in his rookie he, year, he's all, think he'll have over a thousand he's yards? all, he's all potential, man. You see, look at the numbers, Justin Jefferson and all those other guys, uh, the guy from uh, Cincinnati that got drafted. Look at all their rookie years. I mean, this is a passing. Yeah, Jamar Chase. I feel like Jamar Chase, dude, look at his rookie year. Yep. I mean, I, I just feel like that's kind of the trend now. You're seeing these receivers come out of the gate, and who's to say that Garrett Wilson's not the next guy? You know, um, that, that, that's the pure gambling man as it is because, you know, Corey Davis a little older, you know, injury prone. I don't know if I – I'd like to say Corey Davis, but, I, you know, Elijah Moore, uh, you know, he's uh, – if Garrett Wilson can be that number one guy and then we drafted him 10th overall, if, if it's going to be anybody, I would, I would probably say it's going to be him. But, again, uh, numbers don't really matter to me. It would be nice to have one. It would be nice to have some of these stats. But now that we've got a running back in there, let's not forget that is going to open the passing game. We finally have an offensive line, a running back. We have a quarterback. So, I mean, all the pieces are in play here to make the tight ends. Let's not forget about the tight ends. The whole team is better. And, you know, we take a running back, that, a, a Brees Hall, as we did, man. Ho- hopefully, I would rather want Brees Hall rushing over 1,000 yards than having a receiver over 1,000 yards because, you know, that means that we're running the ball more, we're winning games late, we're running the ball. Um, so if anybody's going to get over a thousand yards, maybe the, the bet is on Brees Hall running for over a thousand yards. I, I would probably say that's a better bet than anything. But um, I, like I said, I like Garrett Wilson's potential. I like all the rookies' potential. I love what we did in the draft. Um, let's just hope for a good season. Let's let's hope for ten wins this year and let's get in the playoffs. Yeah, I hear you there. Now my next question for you is: uh, you talked about our running back stepping up and really being able to put in work this year. Our running game stepping up a big part of that is going to be our offensive line. And when you look, talk about offensive line with the New York Jets, one of the guys that comes up is Makai Becton. Give me your thoughts about him, you know, Angelo, and, and where do you think he stands at this point? Do you think the criticism of him has been warranted with him, you know, coming back to mandatory minicamp? It's looking like things are going to be, you know, going forward with him, things are going to be good. Do you think he'll be able to win that, left, that starting left tackle position? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we all saw what he did in his rookie year. Um, you know, I, I feel like Makai knows the same. He's in the same boat as uh, Denzel Mims. You know, he's got to play to get paid. And he knows this is the one year where uh, he either can be set for the rest of his life or he's done. I think I think those players know, like, all right, it's time to make some real money here. If uh, Makai Beck can go out there and have a hell of a year. Now, I don't know if he's going to be a long-term, you know, like the guy was saying, Tony Baselli. you know, do I see him being a jet like a DeBrickishaw Ferguson? Probably not. But I do see him having a really good year, and I do see him um, coming back. But like I said, he's still very young too, man. These guys are early 20s, man. They're kids, man. Um, but, but, yeah, they, these guys are motivated. They're motivated to get paid. That's, what, that's why it's nice having a lot of young guys on the, on the team because they know, like, all right, we're not paid yet. We want to get paid. We got to produce. And the guy back there, no, he's at mandatory minicamps. He's looking good. He's the biggest guy on the field. Um, and like I said, the other guy said, hey, moving to right tackle, it doesn't matter if he fits, he fits, man. It doesn't matter if he's left or right tackle. He's not a bust if he's a right tackle. He, he still, if he can produce really? at a high caliber at right tackle. Uh, well. But here's, here's, it, my, here's it, my question about that, Angelo. Here's my question, though, and I hear what you're saying. All right, but I'm going to play devil's advocate. I have a lot of this discussion back and forth with a lot of Jets fans. 
This guy was picked 11th overall in the first round. All right, we took him. That, 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 that we took him at 11. He was brought here to be a big cog in, 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 along the offensive line. He was brought here to be our franchise left tackle. If he cannot be our franchise left tackle and he gets ended up getting moved to right tackle, wouldn't you consider that a bust? Doesn't that mean we still have a gigantic um, hole there yeah. at left tackle? Again, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah. I'm just hearing the other side I of the argument. If he ends up yeah, getting moved, point. doesn't that mean he's a bust? So I see your point, but if he produces at a high caliber at right tackle, then no. I mean, if he produces, if okay. he's one of the better right tackles in the league, then maybe not. If he's just kind of a – maybe if he was like a George Fant, you know, maybe not. Last year, George Fant was pretty good. So if he turns out to be like a George Fant on the right side, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess you could say it's a bust just because of how high we picked him because if you would have done the draft over, you probably wouldn't have done that. You know, you probably could have got a better player. But um, – yeah. No, we want him to be the left tackle. You know, I think, I think he earned that right. I think he needs to start game one at left tackle. That's what you draft him for, right? That's why we pick him 11. If it doesn't work out the first couple games, hey, Makai, we gave you a chance. We gave you a chance to get paid. We try to motivate you. We're going to move someone else here, and you're going to go to right tackle. And then Makai's like, oh, damn, I'm not getting paid. I better produce that right tackle. Here we go. So, I mean, like I said, these kids, they, they want the money. So, I, I feel like he will produce. He will, he will find a motivation. Hopefully, he can stay healthy. And that's, that, those are the habits at home that we don't see, you know, him getting off the game or getting off practice. And what does he eat at home? What does he do? Does he you know, watch TV? Does he watch, well, you know, whatever. Does he watch Netflix? Or does he watch game tape? Or is he working out? Or is he doing some push-ups? You know, this is what these guys need to do. They need to work at home and work on the field. And it's it's a lifestyle, man. These guys, if they want to, if they want to make the big bucks and they want to be in the Pro Bowl and they want to be in the playoffs, you got to work, especially year round and twenty four hours a day, eat, breathe, sleep football. And I don't know if Makai, you know, he wasn't really doing that, right? So I hopefully now he sees, okay, I got to do that. And so nothing, for, nothing but for the best for Makai. Hopefully it works out for him. And that's a good question. Yeah, yeah, you know, I. I've... A lot of people, I've gone back and forth with a lot of people about it, talking about him and, you know, him possibly being moved to right. And there's a lot of fans that I've had connections with, and they said, listen, if he gets moved to right tackle and he cannot be our left tackle there, you know, I'm considering him a bust. And, I, you know, I hear the take there, you know, especially, again, when you take him at 11. But I think uh, I think he's a guy that I think personally, and I've said it, I think if he's fully healthy, I think he takes that left tackle position because I think he's that talented. So, Angelo, it's been great talking to you. My final question for you, man, because you've been spitting some heat. Give me your thoughts about this New York Jets defense. We're talking. We're hearing Sauce Garner constantly being brought up, his work ethic, everything that he brings to the table. Give me your thoughts about the pop comments that we're hearing about Sauce Garner, you know, in mandatory minicamp so far. Yeah, no, and I'm really glad we took him where we did. And I was surprised that he was the second corner taken. And um, but there was a couple drafts out, mock drafts that had Derek Stingley above him. But man, when you see the receivers that are in this league, especially in our division, you need that guy. And obviously, you know, I feel bad for Bryce Hall, but um, you know, Bryce Hall, you know, hopefully that motivates him. You know, like I said, it's it's better to have competition back there. But um, Sauce Garner, he hopefully he is the real deal. We cannot afford. Let me, let me repeat that. We cannot afford to miss on this pick. This is, was the most important pick in the draft. 
you see what these receivers are doing when they're coming out of the draft. You know, you got Tyreek Hill in the division now. You got all those other players. And, man, he, again, he's young. Hopefully he has a pretty decent year. Um, you know, we're all looking at the names and thinking, okay, these guys are going to be elite right away. But we got to remember, these guys are not going to be elite. Hopefully they are, but it's very rare that these guys come out and be elite. But Sauce Gardner, man, he looked really special. Coming out of a small – well, Cincinnati is not a small school, but considering, you know, not SEC, it's smaller conference. But um, uh, he, he is going to get a uh, an eye-opening experience in the NFL. And he's been playing the best guys in the world. And uh, I love the pick. And like I said, this is – you want a cornerback. I mean, obviously you see what Tremaine Johnson set us back years. This is a guy who's cheap, who can be elite, and he, he needs to be the leader of the defense. And he needs to look to C.J. Mosley, not just the cornerback room. C.J. Mosley is the leader of the team. You know, he needs yeah. to be best friends with C.J. and say, hey, man, let's win. You know, we got to communicate with each other. See, you know, show me how to be a role model because, you know, what, that's what Sauce Gardner is going to be for our team hopefully years to come. I don't know if you saw it, too, on draft night. He went the wrong way. Did you see that? He kind of <laughs> was going like – he was walking like yeah. – I'm like, oh, great. This is, a, this is not really good. I don't even know where he's going. But, you know, he's a kid. He was excited. I just thought that was kind of funny. Like, oh, my God, where is he going? <laughs> yeah. But uh, that was funny. Yeah, hopefully that's yeah. just the only mistake he makes is a jet right there. Yeah, hopefully he never goes the wrong way again. <laughs> Listen, Angelo, yeah. this has been a phenomenal call from you. Man, let's give Angelo a hand. So the audience, go ahead. Not too much, not too much, okay? Y'all go a little too far sometimes. Okay? <laughs> I'm not paying you for the extra claps, all right? I'm not doing that, all right? You guys are getting the standard fee for the claps, okay? Not not too much here. Listen, Angelo, it was phenomenal speaking to you tonight, my friend. You always give great takes when we talk about the New York Jets. And next time I have a show, I want to hear from you, all right, my friend? All right, brother. Good talking to you. Have a good night. Good Jets. Right. You have a good one. Listen, Angelo calling in with some takes, all right? I've gone back and forth. I'm telling you what a lot of people that have been talking about Makai Becton, and I've said, hey, listen, you know, if he gets moved over, if he does, I'm not necessarily considering him a bust. And I was met with immediate <laughs> anger, all right? A lot of people saying, listen, if he is not our left tackle, Joe, if he's not our left tackle, if he cannot win that position, I'm considering him a bust, all right? You know, I'm considering him a bust. Because he was brought in here to be our franchise left tackle. He was brought in here to be that cog, to be that piece, to be that guy that we were going to move forward with at left tackle. And that's how it should be. End of discussion. You know, I see the other side of the argument. But I look at it and I say, hey, there's a guy in the draft I remember came out the same time, Tristan Ward. That guy's a right tackle, franchise right tackle, and plays extremely well. I think he got drafted by the Bucks. Plays extremely well over there. Okay, I think he was taken maybe a spot or two after Makai. I think he might have been taken around 13, 14, something like that. You know, he's a great right tackle. What's wrong with that? But a lot of Jets fans don't want to hear that. If Makai Beckton is not our starting left tackle, there's a lot of people, a lot of fans that are going to consider him a bust. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I understand their standpoint. 
all right? Because, again, I personally think that Makai is going to be our starting left tackle, all right? And, again, we hear everything we hear from mandatory minicamp. It's looking like that knee is not going to affect him going forward. He was out there stretching, looked extremely good. So, you know, Sellers also come out and said that he's going to be ready for training camp as well. So that's hype. That's going to be next, next, uh, next month. So I'm excited about that. But a lot of great discussion tonight, man. Listen, this wide receiver position is something else. Corey Davis being here, you know, I think is going to be big for us this upcoming year. I'd love to see him, again, stay healthy. If he stays healthy this year, he's going to be a monster. We saw a lot of targets, you know, go to him early last season. He was able to put up a lot of great things, a lot of great numbers as well before he went down and got injured. There was a bit of drop season with him. He needs to work on that, you know, get a little bit more focused with catching the football. But I'm telling you, if he can do that, let me tell you, he's going to be a monster. He's going to be a beast this season. You also look at the wide receiver core, and I think another guy that stands out for us is Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is a guy that I think we're all extremely excited about. We really saw him come on as the season continued to roll on. He was really able to put up plays, and he's a dynamic playmaker. Uh, when you look at what, one of the things that he can do within this offense, he's a guy that can kind of play the Debo Samuel role. Again, I'm not saying that he is Debo Samuel. I'm saying he can kind of play that role. He's a guy you can hand the ball off to on jet sweeps. He can definitely, you know, with his speed and everything that he could do there, he can make plays that way. He's also a guy you can put in the slot. He absolutely wins those matchups as well, has a solid set of hands, can move. He's got speed on him. So I'm excited to see Elijah Moore, you know, step back into his offense again in the second year, and I really expect him to take a step forward. Then you look at a guy like Garrett Wilson, a guy we just brought in. Let me tell you something. When I talk to people about guys that could end up challenging Corey Davis for that number one spot, it could be Garrett Wilson. This guy is something else. You see some of the catches he's able to make, some of the things he's able to do out there on the field. He really puts things together well. And, again, we've seen immediate explosive production from so many young guys in this league. You know, Jefferson, Justin Jefferson out there, you know, with the Vikings, we saw him come out immediately. CeeDee Lamb with the Cowboys as well. Jamar Chase, these are guys that were drafting, and then, boom, it was immediately, you know, there was, you know, production. So, yeah. He's a guy that can, I think can really put on for us this year. He's going to be one of the favorite targets for Zach Wilson because I'm telling you, this guy's going to win matchup after matchup after matchup, and I think he's going to be open. Good set of hands as well. Then you continue to look at the wide receiver position. You see Braxton Berrios, a guy that's constantly making plays for us coming out of that slot. Stayed healthy for us last year as well. I expect him to do the same coming into this year. Crafty veteran guy that understands the offense in and out. I'm excited about him. And not just what he does offensively at wide receiver for us, but this is also a guy that is, a, is an all-pro kick returner. <laughs> oh, no, people forgot about that. You know, here's a guy that we were so excited when the New York Jets brought him back and resigned him because of the things that he can do for us special teams-wise. That's huge. All right? We haven't had a solid kick returner since Roberts. That was years ago. Here, Braxton Berrios is back into the fold now. He's going to not only give us some solid production wide receiver-wise, but he's going to give us something on special teams too, which is huge. Because after Roberts, we were in that kick return, punt return desert, right? And we saw that cost us games. How many guys were fumbling punts constantly left and right? We saw that. And it killed us, you know? And again, with the kind of kick returner he is, that gives us good field position. You know, and that's huge as well when you're trying to run a functioning offense in the NFL. <laughs> Who knew field position mattered, you know, when you're trying to score points? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know? And then you look at Denzel Mims, who's another guy as well that people are – have question marks about and we're wondering, hey, 
Is this guy going to be able to take a step forward? Is this going to be the guy that, you know, turns into the wide receiver that we thought we were getting, you know, his first year where he looked very good, making a lot of crazy catches, doing a lot of crazy things. Well, hey, we're looking for him to step up into this upcoming season. Is he going to get things together? Is he going to really start to make plays within this offense and really step up? We're all hoping that, that, that he does. Hopefully he'll be able to do something here. And, again, you know, he's had a year within the playbook. He has everything else. You know, the coaches, uh, LaFleur came out and said, hey, he looks, he looks great. He's in great shape. We've seen him all out there running routes. But he's just got to put all of that stuff together on the field to really have an impact in this New York Jets, on this New York Jets football team. So we're all pulling for Mims. You know, even they call him Mimsy. You know what I'm saying? We're all pulling for him. We all want to see him do well. So he's a guy that, that a lot of people are excited about as well because there's so many question marks surrounding him and his, you know, potential and what he'd be able to bring to the, to the table. And, again, you know, with all those guys healthy, a lot of people talk about, well, there's a lot of wide receivers. Guess what? That's, good. That's a good thing. In past years, we haven't had this many, you know, talented wide receivers on the roster at one time. We haven't had this many guys that we can go out there again if Mim steps up and becomes that wide receiver that we all hope. We haven't had this many guys that can go out there and really give all the kind of threats that, you know, our wide receiver core can give to a defense. Our wide, receivers, our wide receiver core is extremely versatile. We got guys that can play inside, outside. Guys that can move in between the slot and do all kinds of things. So the versatility on this wide receiver core, again, with Mims, you know, if Mims steps up and really turns into the guy that we think he could be, it's going to be huge for us going forward. So I'm excited about all that stuff. I'm telling you, I could see the New York Jets having a wide receiver break over 1,000 yards. I could see Corey Davis doing it. Again, especially when we look at the type of, you know, uh, the, the, the type of load that he was fed last season, throwing a lot of footballs early. There was a lot of, you know, we, we watched the game together, and there was times when Zach Wilson was just forcing him the ball. The types of, you know, the amount of, of targets that he was getting last season was, was pretty big. And it was clear as day that he was a guy that Zach Wilson wanted to target early and often in games. Even when our offense would get started, you could clearly see that Mike LaFleur was calling plays to get the ball in Corey Davis's hands early. He was a guy that was constantly being targeted early. So maybe he's a guy that could break 1,000 yards for us this season. You know, Garrett Wilson is a guy that's up there as well. He could, maybe he could be the guy in his rookie season to give us a thousand yards. No, but there's definitely some potential there for our, you know, wide receiver core to have a guy break a thousand yards. But there's also another, you know, mind frame as well, where even if we don't have a guy break over our thousand yards, because our, our wide receiver core is so versatile and so, so even across the board, you know, maybe it's just death by, you know, guys just putting up numbers together. You know, maybe not one guy has a thousand yards, but we have a bunch of guys, you know, in the high hundreds. That would be great, too, you know. So we'll see what happens again with the running game being implemented as we think it's going to be implemented this, this year. That could have a big-time impact on how many footballs are being thrown around as well. So, you know, listen, this has been great, man. We've had a great show tonight. We had a lot of great callers. We had a lot of great conversations about the New York Jets. We're going to go ahead and close out the show now. Salute to all the savages in the chat. It was great to speak to y'all. Great going back and forth with y'all. Listen, I'm the man of the people. I'm here for the people. Let me shamelessly promote my Facebook page. Everyone go on Facebook, search The Long Beach Joe Show. Like that page. My content's up there. Go ahead and give it a listen. Message me. I'll message you right back. I love going back and forth with folks about this football team. Also, leave me some feedback. I love hearing about what you folks think I do here on The Long Beach Joe Show. All right? 
I am also, all right, on Twitter at YoungJ000. Okay, YoungJ000. Go ahead and go over there. Follow me. I'll follow you right back. You want to troll me? No issues. I'm the troll that lives under the bridge, and I will have my Vera Tucker jersey on at all times. At all times, I will keep that Vera Tucker jersey on. Best believe that. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be one of the best right guards in the league. That's all I'm saying. Young kid, one of the better guards in the league already. You know? I'm not surprised. From USC, I'm not surprised. That's all I'm saying. You want a good player, just get a guy from SC. All right? Everything else will figure itself out. Okay? One of the best offensive linemen, you know, on our offensive line, one of the best offensive linemen in the league. And he's going to dominate people this upcoming season. So we'll be down there. You know what I'm saying? I'll have that jersey on. So if you want to troll us, go back and forth. The show's page as well is at the Long Beach Joe, at the Long Beach Joe for the show's page. I'm also on YouTube as well, okay? Long Beach Joe Jets. Long Beach Joe Jets on YouTube. Come on over to YouTube. Click that in there. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell as well. And if you're going to troll me, go ahead. Hit those comments. We control. Let's go back and forth. And as always, people, when you see me in person, okay, it is arms out, chest open, free hugs for everyone. Free hugs for everyone. The hugs will cost you absolutely nothing. I want to thank you folks for listening. Without you folks, I'm absolutely nothing. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to call in and listen to the show. I truly appreciate it. Again, I want to thank Michael Larson of the San Diego Jets Fan Club for coming on tonight. It was phenomenal to speak to him. So I want you folks to have a good one. You folks have a great one. Peace. Yeah.